Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of the Marine Corps War College, covering the intersection of strategy, security, and warfare. Welcome to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded podcast of Marine Corps University. Today, we're discussing how MCU responded to a pandemic and our plans for the upcoming academic year. My guest today is Brigadier General Jay Bargeron, Commanding General of Education Command and President, Marine Corps University. Brigadier General Bargeron enlisted in the Navy in 1984 and was then commissioned in the Marine Corps as a second lieutenant in 1989 after graduating from the University of Florida. His command tours include platoon and company-level commands in 2nd and 8th Marine Regiments, Commanding Officer of 2nd Battalion, 8th Marines, CO of 7th Marine Regiment, and Commanding Officer of Special Purpose MAGTAF Crisis Response Central Command. Brigadier General Bargeron's operational deployments include Operations Desert Shield and Storm, the Haitian Migrant Relief Operations in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Operation New Horizons in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Operation Iraqi Freedom, Operation Enduring Freedom, and Operation Inherent Resolve. His last assignment was as U.S. European Command as the Deputy Director of Plans and Operations J3. Brigadier General Bargeron, thanks for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. I'm pretty, uh, I'm, I'm pretty honored to be here. Uh, I know you've had uh, Navy's Chief Learning Officer recently, Mr. Kroger, and uh, General Mullen, my boss, and Ambassador Eikenberry mm-hmm. uh, not long ago. So I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty stoked to be sitting in the same chair. <laughs> Before we start our discussion, can you tell us a little bit about your background in PME? You have an ops research degree from NPS, and you're a SAW grad. And that is some pretty serious egghead <laughs> mathematics and some pretty serious egghead history. Yeah, I guess that is a, a little unusual. But pursuing those uh, programs really were a result of my desire to sort of continually improve upon the skills that I have and to build new ones. You know, with the end state of making me a better officer, being able to contribute in increasingly meaningful ways to the Marine Corps. Uh, as an infantry officer going to the Naval Postgraduate School in the early 90s, that wasn't a particularly career-enhancing uh, move to make. I think that we've made a lot of progress in terms of shepherding uh, Marines through different parts of their careers. Uh, but I had a mentor in college who was an infantry officer, and uh, a former infantry officer, and uh, had an NPS graduate. And he inspired me with his professionalism and his leadership, and so that was obviously a uh, a uh, motivation. Quite honestly, another motivation uh, for going to NPS was the drawdown after Desert Shield, Desert Storm. We went from 200 or 198,000 uh, down to 175,000. And I saw a lot of officers who, you know, left the Marine Corps because there just wasn't room for them. And so I, I thought that uh, it would be more valuable for me to go build a different skill set. Uh, and that Naval Postgraduate School offered an opportunity for that something more than just going to Paris Island or SOI or the basic school like a, you know, infantry officer normally would do. So it was, again, a way to improve, you know, my skill set and value to the Marine Corps. I looked at the School of Advanced Warfighting, saw very much the same way in that I met command and staff and I see this impressive group of uh, officers and, and saw a year ahead of me uh, and thought that that was uh, truly a, uh, a valuable uh, way to contribute to the Marine Corps as well. And so, uh, you know, I, I tried out for the team, so to speak, and I was lucky enough to make it. Well, and you had some pretty good company that year. You were there with, with now Major General Mick Ryan, right, from Australia? That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, and uh, Major General uh, Chip Beerman mm-hmm. as well. He's uh, our CG, Mick Rick here, recruiting command. So incremental improvement, I think, is, it's a, it, you know, it's a, 
slogan of mine. It's it's sort of I think the path to success for organizations, and the same is true for individuals. So along that theme, when you came to us last summer, you had identified four priority areas, students, faculty, curriculum, infrastructure. As a strong proponent of continuous improvement, how are we doing? Are we making progress over when you arrived here last summer? Well, no doubt. And the proof is in the pudding. I'll start with students and faculty. The proof is really in the pudding when it comes to our students and faculty. I mean, I just talked about incremental improvement, continuous improvement, uh, but it's important to note what we start with here at the Marine Corps University in terms of our students uh, and our faculty. First, we start with top performers that come to us from the fleet as students. And we have a dedicated faculty that really want to be involved in professional military education, especially our civilian faculty, who could be doing, you know, in a more familiar surroundings of uh, civilian academia. So they come here. It's a different skill set. They want to be here. They want a development. So we, it requires some additional effort. Um, and uh, certainly, again, a desire to be here. So I can't say enough about how they have performed this year. Again, we, I knew we had a good team, but the way they were able to shift from remote learning or uh, to remote learning uh, speaks volumes to their dedication and their talent. And um, it's not an easy thing to do, but they made it look easy. And um, it was all done and done well, both the faculty, staff, and the students, who, by the way, students, you know, maintaining their focus and engagement throughout this, you know, pretty big change. All, all the better for it. Um, they perform well. They got better all the time. They have developed some new skills as a result and honed uh, a lot of old skills. So I'll hit curricula real quick. Already strong as well, uh, but we have just completed our curriculum uh, review process and all the schools have concrete plans to, uh, to get better next year. More emphasis on naval and joint integration or gaming, small group problem solving, all things that were mandated really by the Commandant's Planning Guidance. Uh, the Commandant's Planning Guidance specifically tasked us to make PME more rigorous, make it as rigorous as possible was the Commandant's Guidance. And I interpreted that to mean figure out ways to make this really great program even better because the challenges of the future are going to demand it of our, of our students. So we're focusing our efforts at the university level. I just talked about the schools uh, all uh, having concrete plans. At the university level, we're going to focus on assessment and evaluation. That is improving our analytic game in terms of assessing uh, both our programs and our students. Uh, we'll focus on reviewing the effectiveness of our teaching methods uh, and then enhancing faculty evaluation and development as well. Uh, you'll also see a MAR admin this summer that will announce that all OPME students next year will receive observed academic fitness reports, which will more accurately and meaningfully evaluate their performance in their PME year. And will that be true, sir, for the observed fit reps of just the Marines coming to MCU, or is that true of Marines who are at NPS and Army War College and the sister service schools? Oh, it, all of those. Oh, great. Yes, it will. Mm -hmm. So the MARN admin will lay out all of that. There will also be a requirement uh, next year for all command and staff colleges to participate in, in the master's program, which has been optional to date, as you know. So a lot of good movement uh, in the curriculum, even though it's really, it's good, we're focusing on areas where we can get better. And so uh, great efforts there. Lastly, infrastructure, which, uh, you know, includes physical facilities, but also our information and educational uh, technologies. You know, if there was an area that I thought we could step up our game a bit more, it was here. And that's not because, you know, we, you know our, our team wasn't doing a good job. It's just that it's, it's exceedingly challenging area to keep up with. 
And so the team put together uh, an ITET master plan this year, and we're already moving out on phase one. Things that will happen this fiscal year uh, include expanding Wi-Fi out to all the regional staff NCO academies, expanding .edu network to staff NCO academy here at Quantico, and achieving initial operating capability of the e-learning ecosystem, which is which is an expansion of MarineNet to a more distributed learning environment. It'll have a single sign-on portal that will provide uh, access to self-paced learning opportunities, which will be legacy MarineNet, but also instructor-led learning, uh, both synchronous and asynchronous uh, via Moodle learning platform, virtual learning environments using Adobe Connect, marine video services, YouTube-like capability, which will allow user-created content, and finally, some data analytics, but all of that, you know, with a single in a single place. So bringing a lot of capabilities into one place for our uh, lifelong learners. A future capability will include learner uh, a learner record store, which will capture all the student performance, uh, both in training and education throughout the Marine's career, and make that available to him or her, but also to Marine Corps leadership when it comes to promotions and assignments and other things. So. Just to wrap up real quick on that, uh, upgrades to AV equipment, facilities in Geiger Hall is a big one. <laughs> I was going to raise yeah. that. <laughs> we got to bring a 21st century learning environment over there to Geiger Ridge. We got the, you know great students and great faculty over there, but we, we really need to help them out. And we are doing that this summer and it'll continue into next summer. Sipper uh, capability in Warner Hall and initial wargaming capability here at the university, which you know very well. Uh, since you developed our Wargaming Master Plan <laughs> this year. Well done, by the way. Thank you, thank you. But that is a five-year look you know, of how to uh, develop and grow a Wargaming capability here at the university in a, in a meaningful and sustainable way. And then beyond phase one in the longer term, we have to keep up with AV and tech refreshes, of course, but the, long, the bigger longer-term project is expanding the .edu network out to all of our regional uh, right. staff NCO academies. So. So that's a quick shot on, on those four uh, focus areas. A number of those have helped us as we've transitioned to virtual instruction. And, and I'm going to forget the precise date, but mid-March is when we stopped 18th. holding, March 18th, yeah. stopped holding classes here or at any of the staff and CO academies, stopped holding in-person classes, and we shifted to virtual instruction through Moodle. And again, that wasn't just in the OPME schools. Our enlisted programs did the same thing. I have been amazed not surprised, but it has been incredible how seamless that transition has been. And part of that, I think, is because CDET has done so much spade work already, bringing us to a point where we have the systems and the processes and the resonant knowledge in place to make that transition quickly. And part of it is I think we just have very dedicated faculty and students who are just going to figure it out and they have a can-do attitude and they'll just they'll just figure it right. out if there's something that they don't know. One thing that I'm invested in is making sure that even if we never have to do this again, so we don't have to shift to virtual instruction in the fall, we can continue with in-person instruction. We learned some really valuable lessons, I think, during this period that should help inform resident instruction moving forward. Do you have any of those takeaways that you want our programs, our school directors, our deans, our faculty to carry forward into the next academic year? Yes, and by far the biggest one is that we can make our non-resident programs and our continue, all of our continuing education programs, we can make them much better. We can make them more robust. We can make them more like a resident experience because we learned, like you just described, that we can share all of this. We have the, we have the right population of people, uh, the dedication and the talent, and we have the infrastructure that's built up over years, as you described. So 
We need to be sharing more of what we do on campus with our non-resident programs is the biggest one, figuring out how to do that. You mentioned the Staff NCO Academy. A great example is how they teamed with CDET to make the sergeant's curriculum, resident sergeant school curriculum available uh, and at an accelerated pace remotely to all the Staff NCO Academies. They did that. They, they came together. They adapted the curriculum. They put it out to the regional Staff NCO Academies. They trained the faculty, and then, they may, and then they broadcast it remotely, and they taught it remotely. They're in the middle of doing that right now, and it's going pretty well. You know, they were under the gun to do that because the staff sergeant board is in the middle of July, and this was the last sergeant school before before that promotion board. So that served as a pilot for us, really, but that that's a prototype for, for making resident curricula more available to the non-resident folks and sharing what we're doing here on campus with the non-resident programs. Right. Yeah. And we saw at Command and Staff College as well, their culminating exercise, PAC Challenge 10, I forget what it's called now, right. but should be conducted in person in the classroom with planning teams. They did it all remotely and no right. degradation to the learning experience for students. Yeah, what Command and Staff did was amazing. It took a lot of initiative and a lot of effort on the students and the faculty and some outside uh, help as well uh, from some of the wargaming contractors. But we showed that we could plan and wargame and exercise remotely. I mean, I sat in on many of those briefs and many of those planning sessions from my office, you know, just dropping in there. So the lessons we learned there will pay, uh, will be very valuable in the future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So this episode will air the day of graduation. What would you like to say to our departing students? Commit to getting better every day. Uh, I keep hitting that theme, but I really believe it from a personal perspective. You've heard a lot this year about the importance of lifelong learning for our profession. And I know you're committed to that. And I just would suggest to you one way of operationalizing that commitment. Make a habit of periodically, habitually, systematically throughout your career, going back and reviewing your notes from certain seminal events, PME being one of them. I mean, think about this year, about your personal experience, about your observations. The things that you wrote down in your notebook. I know that you all mastered student learning outcomes and program outcomes, you know, sort of uh, throughout the year. But I'm talking about your observations. I mean, you sat in the class, you know, you listened, you did the reading, you did the work, you earned that experience and that knowledge uh, this year in much the same way that you earned your salary. And in the same way that you can squander your salary, you can squander that knowledge by not reflecting on it, by not refining it keeping it for the future. And real, meaningful reflection takes dedicated time, takes a disciplined uh, approach throughout your career. So commit to getting better, commit to going back and looking uh, at what you've written down before. I think that's great advice for all of us. Yes. <laughs> I, I fill notebooks up in meetings yes. with different notes that I take. And then I, once a notebook is full, I put it away and, and it's very rare. Never to, be, I, never to be seen again. Never yeah. to go back to it. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, I, I take your advice, a, sir. What, thank you. Uh, um, let me make a quick further point on that is you will go back and you will see those notes in a different light five years from now. And from old notes, you will get new knowledge. And so it really is like a continue, just like your, you know, savings and investment should pay you back. I believe that what you put in PME will pay you back as well if you give it a chance. So shifting to next year, 
our incoming students are understandably concerned about the next academic year. I had said that I hope we don't have to shift back to virtual right. instruction in the fall, and I certainly do hope that. But what can you tell our listeners about our plans to launch the new academic year? Well, uh, we're going to start 30 days late, roughly. Command and staff and EWS and McWar will start on, right around 1 September. In fact, I think we've said 1 September is the day. Um, and then Saul, as normal, around 3 August, about 30 days early. So we're going to give it about a 30-day delay, and that is after working with Man- Headquarters Marine Corps Manpower, we're very confident that all the students will be moved, will be able to PCS by that time. So rather than hedge our bets, we just gave it, a, gave it some buffer there. The arrivals that will come that are coming from the outside of the NCR uh, region here uh, should expect to do 14 days restricted movement, 14 days of ROM when they get here, uh, their residence. So the orders should reflect their arrival time to allow for that. And then, as you mentioned, we are planning to start on campus with whatever social distancing protocols are required at the time. We'll, we'll you know, we're buying gloves and we're buying masks and you know, thermometers and uh, all of that. We'll be ready to start with whatever. But we are also enrolling folks in, you know, .edu and the Moodle uh, in case that we do need to have a virtual start because we clearly know how to do it, so we can do that. For the enlisted side, we have, we have reserve enlisted courses that are set to start in mid-July. Uh, those are, that's the next big muscle movement when it comes to enlisted education. I think we have all three, sergeants, uh, career, and advanced reservists that are scheduled to come in the middle of July. We haven't cracked that nut yet, but we will provide something. Mm. So I'm looking forward to seeing everyone uh, in the fall. It has been very lonely here without without our students and much of our faculty and staff. Yeah, it's pretty uh, weird to stare out my window across campus toward Warner Hall and the Gray Research Center here and see very little movement and no cars in the parking lot or very few. So uh, the commute has been nice, but it will it will be really lovely to have everyone back. So for our incoming students, what are some themes that they can expect to see in the coming academic year? Well, as we've mentioned previously, the uh, Commandant's Planning Guidance really wants us to get after increased uh, emphasis on naval and joint integration and wargaming. And uh, so we'll certainly be doing that. I'm going to use the President's Time, President's Lecture Series to focus on great power competitions that, that we, we touched on some of that next year, but we're going we're gonna to hit it in a more uh, concentrated way next year. We'll start out with, uh, with an with a overview of the nature and theory of great power competition, and then we'll move into talking about Russia and China and maybe some other regional powers that are applicable. And as always, there will be a focus on uh, building a, a maneuver warfare mindset you know, in our students. So those are the, those are the general themes. And if we have any very ambitious students who'd like to start their reading a little early, do you have any books or, or reading that you would recommend for them on those themes? Well, you know, I think I would recommend all of our students, from youngest to uh, more senior, to read uh, T.R. Fehrenbach's uh, account of the Korean conflict. This Kind of War is the title, because it tells a story of military unreadiness hmm. from the strategic to the operational right down to the tactical. And it, when you read that, what you should take away is, that's what I do for a living. That's my profession, is to prevent the country from being caught in that kind of unreadiness. And so my time at PME is all about making myself better, able to contribute to that readiness. That's great. So it's just a great reminder of why we're here. Excellent. 
So last question we ask uh, every guest, what are you reading right now that our listeners should know about? I'm embarrassed to admit that I just finished the personal memoirs of U.S. Grant for the first time in my life. Oh, that's And I should have read it before, right? <laughs> By this time, I've read pieces of it, but I've just finished reading the whole thing. And I just started uh, Wayne Hughes' um, Fleet Tactics because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what a big deal. What di- It's a different set of knowledge. It's a different set of knowledge that I've been exposed to before, really, in that kind of detail. And, of course, with naval integration being an important theme for the Commandant. So, And I just started listening to The Allure of Battle. That's a great book. Yes, uh, yeah. it is really good. I just started listening to that. So so that's where I'm at now. I've got this big, thick book, uh, History of Strategy, mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence Friedman. Yeah. yeah. I have that on my table at home as well. But I, And I, maybe I'll crack it this summer. I'm hoping to crack it this summer. It's a great book <laughs> yeah. it, for, for being very um, conceptual. He's a remarkably strong writer. It is a very accessible book to read. It's uh, well, I read the conclusion this weekend, so now I'll go back. <laughs> it's a good and read. way. Yeah, yeah. So just a good, but yeah. So that that's what's on my plate right now. That's great. Well, Brigadier General Bargeron, thank you so much for coming on the show. To keep up with the good work of Marine Corps University, follow us on social media at, at Marine Corps U. Special thanks to our intrepid producer Jen Pacha Howell. I'm your host Becky Johnson. Thank you for listening to Eagles, Globes, and Anchors, the strategically-minded, innovative podcast of Marine Corps University. This concludes the EGA podcast. Thank you for joining us. The views expressed in this podcast reflect those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views, policies, or positions of the United States Marine Corps or the Department of Defense. You can follow the Marine Corps War College on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at @McWarCollege. And as always, our podcast music is Stuck in Traffic. Have a great day.